Thank you for listening to the Cross Loganville podcast as we continue in our series, 29, the book of Acts. April, or should I say August 1963, one of the most powerful speeches ever delivered on American soil, Dr. King gave on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. He had a desperate cry for freedom that discrimination, that the chains of segregation would be broken down. Reality is, we live in a land that claims to have freedom, but there's freedom that needs to be extended every day when it comes to loving our neighbor. He had a dream. He had a dream where his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but would be judged by the content of character. He had a dream where black men, white men, would all rally together in the name of the Lord and be able to sing the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And that should be the echoing cry and the anthem of each in every one of our hearts. And I will tell you this, it was a powerful word. A cry for freedom is a powerful word. When you think about not judging, labeling, categorizing, having prejudices toward any person, but that we would be in a place of freedom because of our walk and identity in Christ so that we could extend the grace of God and the love of God to all men, That would be a beautiful culture to be able to live in. Dr. King's cry, we must go further. We must go deeper than looking at the content of character. If we put guardrails around character, we will limit our love for people. As evangelical followers of Christ, we have to go deeper and we have to love people, period. That is the cry that God, I believe, is putting inside each and every one of our hearts, that God has called us to extend grace to all men. There's people that we meet every day, and reality is, as you encounter different people, no matter what their nationality, no matter what the color of their skin, no matter what their level of socioeconomic wealth or even education. Reality is we meet people every day that we have no clue about the battles they're really facing. There's people that we meet every day that we put expectations on and we judge quickly and we don't know what people are going through. We don't know the pain and the suffering and the sorrow and the turmoil that is taking place in people's lives. You'll hear people oftentimes say, it's just hard to love that person. He's a drunk. He's a control freak. She's a flirt. She's a gossip. I didn't tell you to trust them. But based on the gospel of grace, I tell you, we've got to love our neighbor. We have to extend grace to each person. When I was sharing with Nick, as we dive in here today to Acts chapter 10, and I was sharing with him that I wanted to play Dr. King's clip. He goes, how about we roll a little U2 out there today? Did they not kill it today with that U2 uh, pride song in the name of love? Was that not 
outstanding. I mean, that was, that, that was so awesome. But we're going through the book of Acts, and we find ourselves today in chapter 10. Now, stay with me. Luke, God raises him up to write the gospel of Luke to Theophilus. He also writes what we have is the book of Acts, Acts of the Holy Spirit, again to Theophilus to say, man, I'm, I just want you to know that Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit has come. God is doing an amazing work. Luke is the author. We got introduced early on in the book of Acts to a guy by the name of Simon Peter. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, this brother preaches and thousands come to faith in Christ. We start reading about Peter and John and these other guys and they're, they're ministering on the temple steps. They're ministering to paralytics and people that are sick and down and out. And they're telling these people, silver and gold, we don't have, but what we have in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. We get introduced to Peter. He's kind of an interesting guy. And then we tap the brakes on him. And then we go into Acts chapter 6 and the church is starting to expand and people are being overlooked. So they appoint seven. And one of the guys we get introduced to is a guy by the name of Stephen. Stephen's biographical sketch, long story, is in Acts chapter 7. He's eventually martyred. Then we pick up Acts chapter 8. The gospel is starting to expand. We read of a guy by the name of Philip who is told to go down to Gaza, down to this desert road, and he ends up ministering to an Ethiopian eunuch. This guy gets saved. And then we roll into Acts chapter 9 where the ringleader of the conspiracy of madness trying to kill evangelicals, a guy by the name of Saul who will become Paul, is on the loose and God blinds him. And Paul comes to faith in Christ. And last week Benji broke down what Paul's movement was right out of the gate as he began to walk with Jesus. And now we roll back in here to Acts chapter 10 and Peter shows up again. Here's old Peter. And if you had to uh, capture Acts chapter 10 and what the heartbeat of Acts 10 and what the message of Acts 10 is, I would tell you it, it is this. God shows no partiality. That's the heartbeat of the gospel. God shows no partiality. I will deal with it more next week as I dive into Acts chapter 11. But the message when we read it is we should not label, we should not categorize, we should not group what God has made because God has made all things beautiful to himself and the heart is love neighbor and extend grace to all. Read Acts chapter 10, study Acts 10. I think it's one of the most powerful chapters, if you will, on breaking down the walls of discrimination and division and, and racial issues and it, it, it is a very powerful chapter. I would, I, would, I would encourage you over the next days and weeks to just marinate on it. Right out of the gate, we get introduced to two people in Acts 10. They're two radically different people. They come from different ethnic backgrounds. They're different socially. They're different economically. They're different educationally. When you read about these two guys and study their lives, they're different. God chooses a rugged, rough neck fisherman by the name of Peter that happens to be a Jew, and then God is speaking to and ministering to a guy by the name of Cornelius, uh, of Cornelius, who is a PhD guy, very intellectual, who is a Gentile. This is interesting, and I want to unpackage this for you today. They both need to hear the same message. 
They both need to hear the same message that regardless of race or culture or education or wealth status, they both need to hear the message that we're all created equally in God's eyes. And so if you wrote down a premise thought, I would encourage you to write this down, that we're all created equally in God's image. Every human being we meet has been created in the image of God. They're to reflect the goodness of God, the glory of God. No matter who I look at, no matter who I encounter, I can say, you've been created in the image of God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Before you were even in your mom's womb, God was very, very familiar with who you are. Now listen to me, Cross family. Pastoring here now, going on my 12th year, I can tell you this. It doesn't matter who walks through the doors of this church. It doesn't matter whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're brown, whether you're Latino, American, African American, Asian, believer, non-believer. I can tell you it doesn't matter whether you're young or you're old, whether you're struggling with anger, bitterness, alcoholism, or battling some porn addiction. The gospel declares that you were created in God's image, and I'm here to declare over you that there is an incredible life for you in Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That is who we are. And here is what I know. We're going to love you. We're going to love you, and we're going to challenge you to confront the sin in your life that's destroying you and separating you from God. We love you. We care about you. But to see you wallow in sin and continue to live a life of wreckage, we love you too much not to encourage you to confront that and move toward Christ. By God's grace, we're going to point you to a personal relationship with Jesus who is better than anything that this world has to offer. Anybody tasted and seen that the Lord is good and experienced God's salvation and freedom and been set free? I can promise you that's the gospel. Acts chapter 10, it opens with a guy by the name of Cornelius. When you study him, Cornelius was a spiritual man. He is a Gentile, but he respected the God of the Jews. He respected the monotheistic God, if you will, the one God. He realized, based on his own culture and as he looked around him, that living a life of paganism was bankrupt. There were all these different pagan gods being worshipped during his time. And he had incredible reverence and respect for the God that the Jews worshipped. This man, he prayed to God, the one true God. He fasted. He lived a life of generosity. Let me say it again. Cornelius had mad reverence for God, and he cared about the poor. When you pick up the story in Acts chapter 10, one day he's praying, and while he's praying, he has this vision. An angel of the Lord comes to him and says, God has heard your prayer. God has seen your heart. God knows that you are an honest man, a reverent man. God has heard you, and he wants you to connect with this Jewish dude by the name of Simon Peter. He's heard you. And Cornelius says, 
Yes, Lord, whatever you instruct, I will do. Yes, Lord, I want to obey you. I, I want to do what you are calling me to do. He's a military leader. This dude's high ranked. Some of you guys with military backgrounds, Cornelius was really high in the centurion army. And he sends out some of his men on a mission to bring Peter back over to his house. While God is speaking to and ministering to Cornelius, the Lord was also working on Simon Peter's heart. The Lord was ministering to him because he had a divine appointment and an assignment for Peter. He wanted him to meet with Cornelius. And let me, let, let, let me say this, and I want you to hear me loud and clear. God is always preparing us for what's ahead. A lot of times the things that we go through that we think are merely random are not. They're divine by God. God is always prepping us and preparing us for where he's going to lead us and how he's going to use us. There's no accidents with God. God is a providential sovereign God. And a lot of times I think we get, we get stuck just going, well, that was random. No, it wasn't random. God is wanting to use whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through today. God wants you to know that he's prepping you. He's training you. He's preparing you for the future. And that's what he was doing with Peter. God gave Peter a, a vision. And God gave Peter a revelation. And believe me, when you study Acts 10, it is a game changer. Peter was hungry. Peter was hungry. He was waiting to eat. He had gone up onto the roof of the house. And while he's there, he falls into a trance. And while he's in this trance, God gives him a vision that will blow his mind. This sheep comes down from heaven, and the four corners of the sheep had all these different non-kosher forbidden foods that the Jews would not eat on it. I'm talking about animals and reptiles and birds and all this stuff, this non-kosher not permitted by the Jews to eat. And a voice tells him three times, three times, listen to me, never call unclean anything that I've created. God created all things, and when you study the heartbeat of the new covenant, the new covenant that Jesus inaugurated will unite all people together. Don't call dirty, don't call unclean, don't label and categorize anything that I've made. He told him three times. I was sitting there pondering, like from an athletic standpoint, I'm like, man, if Peter, if Peter ever had a favorite number to wear in football or baseball, it would be the number three. I mean, you go back and look, look at this guy's life, and he denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, and Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? After Jesus had resurrected, and now three times he's telling Peter, Peter, listen to me, don't you call unclean and dirty anything that I've made. I want you to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ unites. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not divisive. And here's one of the observations I wrote down. The vision that God gives Peter is way more than just keeping a Jewish diet. When you study it, the message moves from race to grace and how we respond to other people. A lot of people still have prejudices. A lot of people still have strongholds. A lot of people are still locked up. 
But this vision that God gives Peter, this revelation, was to move humanity and to move him from race relations to grace relations. And here's what that means for you and I. It means that God wants you and I to love every person that we meet. God wants you and I to love every person we meet. God wants us to extend the agape to other people that he extended to us. God wants us to have a forgiving heart. God wants us to have a compassionate heart. God wants us to have a generous heart. Why? Because that's how God loves us. Even those people that you think that are outside of God's love, that God has given up on, that God has forgotten about, God wants us to love them. As long as you've got a breath, you've got a prayer. And as long as a person has a breath, they have a chance of connecting with God. But I think oftentimes we ditch people and we dismiss people. And God is saying, Tim, 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 I want you to love your neighbor and I want you to extend grace. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. You've got to be willing to cross the street. Some of us stay in our hood, we stay in our lane, we stay in our block. And if we're ever going to be used by God, you've got to be willing to cross the street. Back to Acts chapter 10, three of Cornelius' men, they show up at Peter's house. Peter's there praying, he's in this trance. All of a sudden they, they're like, we need to see this dude, Simon Peter. And uh, he meets with them. And they're like, man, our, 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 our commander, our boss man had had this vision from God. And in this vision, uh, G- God told him to send us over here to get you. Now, 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 when you think about Cornelius being a centurion, and you think about him being a, a commander and this respected military leader, you've got to remember that the centurions at that time represented the brutality of Roman rule over the Jews and were harsh toward them. You've got to remember that it was a centurion that carried out the order to execute and kill Christ. So we're dealing with, we're dealing with some rough people. And so you stop and you're going, well, how's Peter going to respond? What's Peter going to do? Is Peter locked up? Is he living in fear? And I think a lot of times God gives us a, a message. God gives us a vision. God gives us a revelation. God gives us an assignment. And if we're not careful, we start to consult with fallen humanity instead of sovereign God on what we're supposed to do. And there's a lot of people sitting in here today that God has prompted your heart to do something, but you're living locked up and you're living scared and you're living in fear. And it's not only what might happen to you, but it's what are my homies going to say if I were to do something like that? And you've got to be willing to cross the street. I love verse 29 in Acts chapter 10. Peter makes this observation even as he's there with Cornelius and his men. He said, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I, I just want you to know that I, ome- I immediately obeyed God. When, when these men showed up and said that he'd had this vision, Peter already knows he's going to have this vision too. He said, I, I, I responded immediately. And, and, and to me, we talked about this just a few days ago, Rach, just... I ask you to do something, let's do it now. 
Delayed obedience is disobedience. When you start to postpone something God's telling you to do, he's like, stop it. He acted immediately. And when they arrive, Cornelius kneels down before Peter as if, man, he's, he's worshiping or bowing to Peter. And immediately, you know what Peter says? Stop it, homie. I'm a jacked up, messed up dude just like you are. Get up. And that's the heart of the gospel of grace, that we would realize that through God, we've we've been created in his image. Through origination, we all come from the same place. Through contamination, we're all jacked up with sin. Through destination, we're all going to die one day and stand before God. And what I believe Peter was saying to Cornelius was this, I've come to realize that the ground at the foot of the cross is level for everybody. Get up. Get up. You've got a Jew. You've got a Gentile centurion. Listen, listen, this works both ways. They both cross the street in obedience to God. Are most of your friends the same color as you? Are most of your Dinner engagements with people that look like you? You see, we've got to be willing to cross the street. It's so easy for all of us to get stuck in a rut and to gravitate toward our kind. I'm going to break this down even more in Acts 11 because it There's so much meat hanging on the bone in 10 and 11. Peter stands at the door. He gets to Cornelius' house. He sees Cornelius. He sees all of Cornelius' men. And listen to what he says in Acts chapter 10, verse 28. It's powerful. He goes, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home or even associate with you but God when you study scripture you need to be paying close attention to the but God statements but God I was under the old covenant system I was brought up in Judaism I but God has shown me that I should no longer think that my philosophy of life how I label and categorize. I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. In every nation, in every culture, on every continent. You know who God favors those who worship him, those who love him, those that do what is right. Peter crossed the street, and now he shares the gospel. This is a wall breaker. This is a game changer. This is a setting in motion what the new covenant is all about going into the future. It's so stinking powerful that the new covenant is for all people. When the veil of the temple torn, Jesus was saying, there's no such thing as an outsider anymore. Jews, Gentiles, Sumerians, come to me 
And I'll offer you salvation. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will ever connect with the Father. Come to me, all of you who are weary and tired and heavy laden. Come to me. The gospel declares that all people have a chance if they come to faith in Christ. God is not a respecter of persons. God does not play favorites. He doesn't do it. He accepts those who worship him and those who do what is right. Here's something I was pondering. Peter obeys God and goes. He goes to Caesarea and he goes to Cornelius' house. Don't miss this. I would write it down. I would ponder this truth. It was a small step for Peter to take. But it was a giant leap for Christianity. His obedience might have appeared to him to just be a small step. That 40-mile journey. Peter was in Joppa. They're going to Caesarea. Barb and I have been there to where Herod and all these palaces were on the Mediterranean. What he did by taking that one step saying, yes, I'll go. By taking that 40-mile journey... What he did is he broke down 4,000 years of discrimination and division that had existed amongst the Jewish people. And oftentimes you may feel like what God is asking you to do is just a, it's just a small step for you. But what you might be setting in motion by obeying God and breaking those chains and surrendering to Christ might change future generations. And we've got to be willing to step into it. That one step he took was a giant leap for Christianity. And I'm telling you, between God's revelation and Peter's obedience, it changed everything. The distinctions and the walls and the labels between people dissipated, and they should continue to dissipate today. We live in a prideful land where people oftentimes want to leverage whatever education skin color neighborhood and when people do that they're telling you something they're telling you that deep down inside it may appear to be pride but deep down inside they feel inferior they feel insecure they feel inadequate and they're having to leverage something to try to feel good about themselves And I look and I go, it doesn't work. Who we are in Christ and our identity in Christ is the only thing that matters. And when Peter took that step and when Peter went to Caesarea and when Peter walked into Cornelius' house, let me tell you something. He was following the ways of Jesus who was full of grace and truth and kindness. He was following in the ways of the Lord. And like Peter, we've been called to get out of our comfort zone to overcome those barriers and to break down those walls and to extend the gospel to other people. Just like Peter, we've been called to get out of our comfort zone and cross the street. I don't know what your marinade is. I don't know what your your grid system of philosophy and theology and belief is. But listen to me, please. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not compatible with prejudice. 
The word prejudice means to prejudge. If we're prejudging our neighbor at any level, that's not compatible with the gospel. Romans chapter 10 verse 12 says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him. There is no difference. There is no distinction. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Do you have prejudices? Do you have a sense of superiority? Do you have a better than mindset? Here's facts I wrote out. All people, back to the premise statement, are created equally in God's image. Fact. All people are deeply loved by God. Fact. All people are infected and diseased by sin. Fact. All people can experience redemption in Jesus Christ. Fact. You want to write down the facts of life? I would write that down. Here's the facts of life, baby. All people have been created in God's image. Fact. All people are loved by God. Fact. All people have jacked it up. And some of their flesh patterns uh, are messed up. Fact. All people can experience redemption. Fact. Come on. All people are loved. All people are valued. All people are sinful, but all people are redeemable. And as we walk into this Independence Freedom Weekend, I pray that we would place higher value on the freedom that we have in Christ than what the freedom of this nation claims to have. I mean, praise God for this nation. I, I, I praise God that I was born and raised in this nation. I've been to different parts of the world where there's so much oppression and pain and suffering and heartache. But the problem with this nation right here is we have forgotten God. We've ignored God. We've rejected God. As a nation, it's like, man, people don't want to serve God. And then over the last weeks, we look at what has even happened here with the reversal of Roe Wade. And I've dealt with, with many women, Mama Kay, and the pain and the guilt of going through abortion. They want to talk about rights. Here's what I believe. is we contemplate Freedom Weekend, Independence Day. I believe that the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast needs to be met with the Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. We need responsibility in this nation. And we need to get back to God. I long for the day that erected somewhere out off the Bay of San Francisco is a statue called the Statue of Responsibility. We love liberty, but we reject accountability and responsibility. We're all born the same way. Lost. Every person is born into the world the same way. Lost. We, even Paul would say in Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. How were you born? Lost. People go, man, I was born in a hospital. We go, man, we had about four of ours at home. But how were you born? I was born lost. 
I was born separated, alienated, and distant from God. We're all saved the same way through the blood of Jesus. There's not a white gospel or a black gospel or a brown gospel or an Asian gospel or a, a Latino gospel. There's one gospel. And I think oftentimes, man, we, we confuse it. Same mud, same blood. When God picked up dirt from the earth and he sculpted together that first man, Adam, doesn't say what color of dirt it was. And you've heard me say before, the reason racism to me makes no sense and is absolutely insane is how can one color of dirt claim superiority over another color of dirt? We're all stinking dirt. It's what God made us out of. And the scripture says that one day we're going to return to. So when you look at poverty and you look at pain and you look at oppression and you look at heartache and you look at sorrow and you look at suffering, can I tell you something? All of those things are colorblind. They visit all of us. Doesn't matter where you're at. Here, here, here's the statement. Becoming godly is recognizing any hidden areas of prejudice in my life and dealing with those areas honestly and thoroughly. Asking the Holy Spirit based on Psalm 139, Lord, show me if I have any prejudice, any hatred, any animosity, even the psalmist would cry out, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked, evil ways inside of me. You want freedom? You want to walk in freedom? If you do, you're going to start loving your neighbor. You're going to start loving your neighbor. When you look at the life of Jesus, no matter who he encountered, whether it was a Nicodemus dude in John 3, who was this scholared, uh, brilliant Jewish dude, whether he's meeting the woman at the well who is jacked up, married multiple times, or hanging out with a guy who was for 38 years just laying by a pool called Bethesda, sick and down and out. You look at any scenario of our master and savior and risen Christ and you go, how did he treat others? He loved people where they were. He accepted people where they were, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, men, women. When you look at Jesus you do not find any prejudice in him. He accepted people as they were, and he loved them too much to leave them that way. He accepted them as they were, but he loved them too much to let them just stay stuck the way they were. He came to bring radical change. Let me wrap this thing up. Here's some practical takeaways as you study Acts chapter 10. Like just things that we find glaring in the text. I want to highlight maybe four things here, okay? The first thing we notice is this. Acts 10 begins with prayer. Cornelius is praying when he has a vision. This revelation from God. Peter is praying when he has this vision and revelation with God. I would encourage you, press into God, start praying, lean into God, and become a person of prayer. It saturates Acts chapter 10 right here. You go, I don't even know what to say. Just speak from the heart. And when you get into prayer, I can tell you that prayer is just as much contemplation, hearing from God, as it is conversation, you talking to God. If we take principles out of it, we would go prayer, 
I got to lean into the Lord. I got to engage with God. I've got to sanctify time to be with God. The second thing I would encourage you uh, with would be this be obedient to where God is leading. That's what we take away from Cornelius and Peter. They were both obedient. Peter had no idea. He had no idea that the Lord was including the Gentiles. Peter had his Jewish roots. He thought, oh, man, this is going to be cool. I mean, this gospel is going to go to our people. He had no clue that God was already working amongst the Gentile people, which emphasizes to me, observe, look around, and pay attention Where is God working? Where are some of the places? Who are some of the people groups? What's God doing? And go join him. I'd rather just go hang out with God with where God's doing something. When you read this, the Old Testament law said no. Stay away. But grace said no. Move from race to grace and how you relate to other people. Hey, God's working. God's including people, lost people. Go love on them. So the question would be, what is God asking you to do and where is God leading you today? What is God prompting your heart to do? What person, what people group, where are you supposed to go? What are you supposed to do? I believe God has prepared you over the years to to be used by him to minister to somebody and maybe a bunch of somebodies. Where is that supposed to be? Where are you supposed to be serving? Where are you supposed to be giving time? Who are you supposed to be investing in? Who are you supposed to be walking alongside of in a discipleship role? Where is God prompting you? What is God doing in you today? Because I'm confident in this very thing. He who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete that work. God's not done with me. God's not done with you. I would tell you this. Another thing I think we take away from Acts 10 is Listen for a repeated message. Listen for the repeated message. Barb, you were saying that yesterday, you know? I mean, with Alex being in town, but then Luke sending that, that, the text when he did, it's like, all right, I I hear you loud and clear. Peter's vision didn't happen once, it happened three times. And I think a, a lot of times we don't pay attention to what God continues to show us. I mean, there's a lot of things that God will bring to you that he keeps bringing back up to you. And you go, well, that's crazy. That's happened two or three times. It ain't crazy. You might might want to pay attention. God, why do you keep bringing up these kind of scenarios for me? I mean, why why you keep bringing up people with with addiction that I'm hanging out with? Why why you keep bringing up uh, some of these trafficking situations where you, I feel like you're telling me I'm supposed to get involved in that. Why you keep... God keeps bringing something up to you, you you might want to pay attention. What opportunities keep presenting themselves? Where have you told God, I can't do that? What challenges keep tugging at your heart? I've always looked at what makes me mad, glad, and sad, and just kind of paid attention. Why why am I getting mad about that? It it maybe is something God wants me to step into. Why why does that make me sad? That might be something God wants me to step into. That makes me really happy and glad. And, and so I just start looking, going, where's God tugging my heart? What, what people, what, what person does God keep putting in your path? You're going to share the gospel with them? You're going to love them? You're going to grace them? You're going to feed them? I mean, God will always be persistent because he loves us. But there's some of you sitting here today, and God's been tugging your heart. 
It's like Groundhog Day, man. It's like, again, again, until you act on it. I believe the Lord would have continued to shake Peter until he got up and left Joppa and went down to Caesarea and he walked there into Cornelius' house. I told you I got an assignment. You're going to do it. Jonah found out the hard way. I don't want to find out the hard way. Here's something else I think that we could look over, but I think is a very key observation in this text. Barb, you do this so well, babe. But I think this is such a, a huge observation. Extend hospitality. Don't, don't, don't miss this. When you read Acts chapter 10, before Peter shares his faith, when those three guys that Cornelius sent to Peter got to Peter, who were all underneath the centurion Roman rule, Gentiles, when they got to Peter's house and said, Peter, we've come for you. Cornelius has had this vision. What did Peter do? Peter invited those guys into his house. Peter extended hospitality. Peter said, come on in and, 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 and grab a chair and eat dinner with me tonight and just stay with me. That was forbidden. That was frowned upon. That was looked down on. And I think a lot of times we're reluctant to show hospitality. Well, my house is not that nice. Well, I don't know how to cook that well. Or, Do you know that extending hospitality has nothing to do with your skills and prepping a meal? It has everything to do with your heart and loving somebody. It's pretty good when you know how to cook, but still. (laughs) Right? When someone is willing to open their home and say, hey, come, come hang out with me. Peter opened his house. And then he gets to Cornelius' house. And what does Cornelius do? Come, come on in. That's the reason this ministry we do called Come to the Table is so effective. People opening up their homes, sign up, go sit down with somebody, break bread and have a meal. Nobody's in there to break down apologetics and eschatology and the, the latest, greatest theological finds. You're sitting in there getting to know people's story. Spencer Carey, y'all share your story. John Crystal, y'all share your story. It's like Cole Ashley, y'all share your story. We, we, we just go around and go, here, here's a little bit of our story, Barb and I, that you might not know. What, what's your story? And we break bread and we sit there and people open up. When you extend hospitality and just hang with people, you never know what God is going to do. And I think that's a challenge. Our role Let me take the pressure off of you. Our role is to love people. God's role is to change people. Your role is not to change anybody. Your role is not to change anybody. Matter of fact, if I did a biographical sketch on your life, I would conclude that you couldn't change yourself. That minus the gospel of Jesus Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit, you couldn't change you. So when you have that urge and temptation to become the fourth member of the Trinity and try to change somebody, just lay it down and conclude 
God just wants me to love this person. He's the only one capable of changing this person. That would help us out a lot, wouldn't it? Julie, we extend hospitality. We open up our home. We love people. We cross the street. We invite other people to cross the street. And we go, how are you doing? Now, as we're going to find next week, even after Peter does this, he goes on to say, man, the gospel the gospel was shared and the Holy Spirit fell and these people repented and responded. He goes back to his people group, to these circumcised, if you will, believers. And he goes in and he's like, man, you're not going to believe it. I obeyed God, went to Cornelius' house, shared the gospel. And you know what they said? They rebuked him and shamed him. And Peter started having to break it down. So even oftentimes when you do what God is asking you to do and you take what you think is a small step, it becomes a leap, giant step for Christianity because you're breaking down barriers and walls. But just because you obey God doesn't mean you're going to get the applause and adoration for doing it. That's why I memorized Galatians 1.10 years ago. Am I seeking the approval of man or am I seeking the approval of God? If I was seeking man's approval, I couldn't be a servant of Jesus. And we have to serve Jesus. Let's, let's bow. We're going to move into a time of prayer. The lights are going to go down. But I would encourage you right now just to bow before the Lord.